Hey man, that was good to have a couple of good specials. Now I'm gonna tell y'all, well, you can do that anytime. We don't have to just do stuff like that at Christmas. If you ever have something you wanna share with us, by all means, we'll be glad to, glad to listen to it. We're gonna be in Mark this morning. Your bulletins are a mistake. I, I accidentally typed Matthew in there. My apologies there. We're not in Matthew. We are in Mark, Mark chapter six. We're continuing on right where we left off. This is kind of where we came to at our at our normal time, and I was kind of flip flopping as to as to whether to preach this passage or not. Uh, but but I, what I found throughout the years is that God is pretty timely, and what I mean by that is it seems like at least in my life, and maybe in yours, and and even as the church, uh, sometimes He provides just the right word for us at just the right time. Uh, I almost didn't didn't preach this for for a certain reason. Uh, but I decided this is where the Lord has placed us at this point in time in our season, and so this must be the message that the Lord would desire for us to hear today. And so we are continuing on, right on schedule, right on the Lord's schedule. We are right here where we are today to read God's Word in Mark chapter 6. Uh, we'll start in verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. I'll give everybody a second to turn there. I'll pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you that we can come into your house, and I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for being good to us, dear Lord, and God, I pray that you give us a good service today, and I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would give me the words to say, dear Lord. I pray that you would help me to be a, a faithful leader to your people, God. God, my heart is burdened this morning, just, just a lot to, to think about and consider, dear Lord, and in my own life, dear Lord, in the lives of people in our community and in this church, dear Lord God, and I pray your blessings upon these people here, dear Lord. I pray, God, that you would help us to be a church that is undivided. I pray that you would help us to be a church who is, who is focused on Jesus Christ, dear Lord God, that we come together as brothers and sisters, that we would love one another, God, that you would not ever allow the enemy to have a, a foothold in this, in this body, God, he is always at work, dear Lord, and we must always be on our guard. And so, God, I pray that this morning as we read your word, and God, just in every day of our life, every time we meet one another, every time we come together to worship you, that we would come together, God, with a heart that is focused upon you and a heart for love for one another. And God, I pray that you would help us as a church to stand strong together. I pray that you would help me as a pastor to do better, dear Lord, that you forgive my failings. That you, would, that you would use me in a mighty way to serve your kingdom. And I pray that you would use me today to preach and teach your word in a way that's going to bring glory to you in everything that's said and done here today. And I pray, God, that we leave this place feeling your joy, feeling your peace, dear Lord, that any burdens or worries or fears or failures or sins that we have brought in, dear Lord, that we give them to you, that our heart is upon you today and that your spirit is upon us. And I pray, God that you bless our time together today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 6 may be a familiar story to some of you. Uh, it's a story that is unique in that it's the only miracle that Jesus performed that is in all four of the gospel accounts, apart from, that is, his death and resurrection. 
Apart from that, though, this is the only miracle that is covered in all four gospel accounts. It's the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 who came to him. Now, this is a, a really great story. This is one of my favorite stories. And if you've been to church, even as a child, you may have remembered hearing this story. Now, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of the story, uh, it's very similar. There's not a whole lot of difference there. There's a little bit of different detail, but for the most part, those are the same. Now, when we speak of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are referred to as the synoptic gospels. Now, that's a big fancy word that's not going to be on the test, so you don't need to remember that, but you may hear sometimes people say the synoptic, and I may say it today. I'll try not to, but you may, you may hear me say that. If you hear me say John's story, for instance, is different from the synoptics, I'm referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke. They are referred to as the synoptics because that means that they have things that are kind of similar. They are very much in common. There are some differences, but for the most part, the things we read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the same things. Maybe in a slightly different order, slightly different detail, uh, but they're very similar in what they say. John's gospel, however, is different. And so usually the things that John covers uh, may have different details or more details or different things altogether. John's writing kind of comes from a different angle as to what Matthew, Mark, and Luke are writing in the synoptics. And so here today in this story we're looking at, we won't read all the accounts for time's sake, but I would encourage you to read them if you get the opportunity. You can find all of these stories... In Matthew chapter 14, Luke chapter 9, uh, Mark chapter 6, and John chapter 6 is where you will find Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now there's another uh, occurrence where Jesus feeds 4,000. That's a different occurrence altogether. But this occurrence of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is covered in all four of these gospel accounts. And John's uh, differs more than the other three do. Uh, John gives us some different detail. And when you put all four of the accounts together, uh, you get a great detail of this story uh, that you can kind of see how everything may have played out and see all of the pieces and parts come together. And so uh, we will really kind of focus this morning mainly on Mark and on John. I'll try not to flip back and forth too much. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys do some uh, studying on that yourself this week. Uh, but we'll just kind of talk about the, the details of this particular story from all four of the gospel accounts. Mark chapter 6, we'll start in verse 30. This is We read this last week. I didn't expound upon it too much, or week before last, I should say. We'll kind of pick up uh, covering what we read last time uh, to kind of give us an idea and understanding of where we are this morning. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. Now the scene had been set for us 
and that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Now, this was a, this was a, a very tough time, I'm sure, for Jesus, for the disciples. Uh, John the Baptist was, was, even, uh, was even related to Jesus. They were family. They were friends. They were doing God's work together. They were both uh, ushering in the kingdom of God and bringing, trying to bring people into that kingdom as John was uh, trying to point people to Jesus, and Jesus was preaching that the kingdom had come. Uh, they had worked side by side in their ministry for at least a short time here and John the Baptist had been beheaded and this was tough news no doubt for Jesus and for the uh, apostles for the 12 and for the rest of the disciples of Jesus and of John for that matter uh, and so as this uh, had taken place they were probably in a time of mourning here and Jesus tells them come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. Now that is good advice, advice and, and advice that most of us uh, would understand as being good advice. Because if you have ever gone through a difficult experience or situation in your life, maybe it's just been a time of, of hard physical work, of hard mental stress, you're mentally exhausted, you're physically exhausted. Uh, maybe it's in a time of mourning where you have lost someone um, whom you love greatly. There are times in our life where these very words of Jesus are words that we need to live by. There are times that we just need to get away and rest. And that was the instruction to Jesus and to the apostles here. And so they went away by boat. They left the land where the crowds were all gathering around them. It says they went away uh, by boats and they went to a remote place. They were attempting to go and get rest, uh, but the scripture doesn't really say for sure if they got that rest because it says that the crowd saw them getting in the boat heading away. Obviously, they knew where they were going to come out on the other side, and so the crowds began to run uh, to where Jesus and the apostles were going to be. Now, they at least got a little rest on the boat. Now, whether or not they got rest at their location, it's hard to say, although it sounds as though they probably didn't get much rest, because upon arrival on the other side of the shore, the people were gathered there, and there were many people who were gathered there. Verse 34, so as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Now, this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture because here is Jesus. I mean, he was fully human. He had feelings. He, he, he was tired too. He got tired as you and I do. He, he was sad as you and I were. And here in the midst of his sadness, in the midst of him probably being exhausted physically too because he's been at this work for a long time. Uh, he's been serving uh, people for all of the, the, the book of Mark that we've read so far. And here in the midst of this time that they were seeking to get away to rest, here comes all these people. And when Jesus sees the people, as tired as he may be, as sad as he may be, it says he looked on them with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this is a good verse too because there are times that I believe we do need rest and that's a good thing. But I believe there are also times when, boy, rest would be good, but we are compelled by God's love and God's mercy and God's grace to give compassion unto others even when we may not feel like it. Even when it may be tough, even when it may be difficult, there may be times in your life where you just wish for a break, but a break is not yet to come. And here was Jesus showing his love to these people as they would come to him and as he began to have compassion on them. Let's read a little further. 
Verse 35. When it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is a wilderness, and it's already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So here we have this story that is set for us. All of these people have followed Jesus and the apostles, and here they are gathered around, and Jesus had been teaching them all day. He had been teaching them for a while, no doubt the same type of things that he had been teaching uh, in his ministry up to this point. And the people had flocked in, and the scripture here in Mark tells us there were 5,000, but Matthew gives us another detail that says there were 5,000 not counting women and children. So there were a lot of people here. It could have easily been tens of thousands of people. If there were 5,000 men, and let's say they all had a wife and they all had one kid, well, that's 15,000 right there. Or if they had two kids, what's that to say for people who may not have been married? Maybe there were other women there who weren't with a man. We don't know how many people who were there, but it's not unreasonable to think there could have been tens of thousands of people there. Even if there were only 5,000 men and just a few women and children, there are a lot of people who are gathered around who are here to hear what Jesus had to say. But there was a problem because they were in a remote place. They were in a wilderness, the text tells us. They were in a place where there was not food readily available and probably not enough for that many people. And so we see this event take place where Jesus and the disciples begin to discuss how they are going to feed these people. Now, in the synoptic accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that it is the disciples who approach Jesus first with the question, all right, we need to, or the statement or question, we need to send these people away. How are we going to feed them? We've got to send them where they can go get something to eat. Uh, but in John's account, it's Jesus who begins to uh, uh, bring forth this situation that is going on. Now, some would say that is a contradictory problem. I don't believe that to be the case at all. I believe that probably the different authors just covered different aspects of what was going on. Uh, what is said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John may have been what was taking place. The disciples were discussing it among themselves, and while John doesn't record their asking, uh, he may simply pick up uh, with Jesus in the conversation here. And so there's this conversation that is taking place between what the disciples are acknowledging, that there is a need for food, and Jesus telling them, all right, well, what are we going to do about it? How are you going to handle the situation? Uh, wh what are you going to do? And so uh, it says in John chapter 6, verse uh, 5, Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so these people can eat? 
So in John's account, it's Jesus posing the question here. And we see the reason why this is a question by Jesus. We see uh, what's one of the things that's taking place in this story. It says in verse 6, He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. So he was seeing what the response of the apostles was going to be here. Maybe seeing if they were going to have faith, if they were going to wig out, if they were going to think uh, we got to do something or, or nothing can be done. What's, what, what's going to be the response of Jesus' disciples here uh, when it comes to feeding these crowds? Now in Mark's account, we have another good response of Jesus here. Jesus tells the apostles, he says, you give them something to eat. Now, how in the world is it going to be that the apostles would be able to provide for all of these thousands of people? Well, it tells us in John that Jesus already knew the answer to the question. He already knew the solution to the problem. John says he knows what he is going to do. So the scene is set. The people are hungry. The apostles themselves are probably hungry. They probably had some food of their own, maybe a little bit of money on their own to buy something for themselves, but no doubt they didn't have enough money to provide for or food to provide for all of the crowds that had gathered around them. Even if they had gone into town, we don't know this, the text doesn't tell, but it may have been likely that there wouldn't even have been enough food in the surrounding towns for the people to be fed. So there was a need that was there. The people had gathered around. Jesus tells his apostles, his disciples, I want you to meet this need. They have no way to meet this need because what they have is very little, if anything, although the text doesn't tell us, we can assume that they may have had a little bit on their own. And here we have this situation that is shaping out. Another detail that we see throughout these accounts is uh, the, 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 the question of, well, should we go out and buy all this food? Even if we had 200 denarii's worth, we wouldn't have enough to buy food for these people. Uh, it says in uh, John, or excuse me, Mark chapter 6, it says at the end of verse 37, they said to him, should we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, something, uh, and give them something to eat? Now, in the other gospel accounts, it says not even 200 denarii worth would be enough to feed all of these people. Now, this really doesn't make a lot of sense to us when we start talking about denarii. We don't have any uh, real point of comparison there unless we've done a little study to understand how much money we're talking about. Now, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 2, uh, we are, are told that a denarii was a day's wages, at least in that story. And maybe it's fair for us to assume that that would be accurate throughout those times, that a denarii is one day's wages. So if you were to work for 200 denarii, it would take you 200 days to accumulate that. It would take you over half of the year. So when it says not even 200 denarii would be enough to feed all of these people, it's saying not even over half of your salary for the whole year would have been enough to feed this crowd that was there. Now, if we want to calculate that into, into modern times, uh, if you say today, well, what's a current man's salary today? Well, let's say about $70 a day on average is what people make uh, per day. Well, if you figure that up over 200 days, you come up with $12,800. So if we're looking at 200 days worth of salary in modern days, now I understand these calculations may not be exact, but that gives us an idea. It was a lot of money, and even still, the apostles said, this won't be enough. Even what little we may have, even if we had this much, we could not feed all of these people 
who were there. And so in verse 38, and he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and look. And they came back and told him, well, we've got five loaves and we've got uh, two fish. Now, in other parts of the story, we see that they uh, were able to obtain this from a little boy who was there, although he doesn't uh, factor in too much in the story. I guess we could take from it that this boy was nice enough to share his lunch with Jesus and the apostles, but I don't think that that's really the point that any of these uh, people are trying to make uh, when they are telling this story. Regardless, the food is there, what little they have, and they have five loaves and they have two fish. Now, this probably seemed kind of like a, I mean, you just kind of laugh at that. You've got all of these thousands of people that are sitting here that are waiting for a meal, that are hungry. They've been listening all day. Jesus doesn't want to send them away. And all that they've been able to come up with, the text says, is five loaves and two fish. So what in the world are they going to do with so little? Well, let's continue to read on. Verse 39. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Now, this is an interesting verse, not so much that it really uh, provides anything of super importance, I don't suppose, on this story, but it is an interesting detail that Mark points out that they were sitting on green grass. Uh, this is not the type of detail that if you were making up a story that you would probably insert into it. This is the type of detail that would probably only come to your mind if you were there. If you were there during this event and you just happened to notice that there, were, there was green grass. Now, there may be some other importance to the fact that Mark mentions there was green grass. It also mentions in John chapter 6 that this was taking place during the time of the festival that was going on. It says in verse 4, the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. That's in John chapter 6 verse 4. Now those two things, the fact that the Passover was near and that there was green grass in this location, probably tells us what time of year this took place. It was probably during the spring. That's when the Passover was. It would make sense that even in this remote wilderness that grass would be growing here. It wasn't late enough into the year that the, that the summer would have withered it away and dried it up. It wasn't earlier in the year where it may have been cold and not survived. And so this scene is probably taking place in the spring. I don't know that that plays any significance uh, in, in the grand scheme of the story, but you may have wondered, well, why does he talk about the green grass there? Well, it may just be something he remembered, or he may be putting it in there as an indicator to let us know what time of year these events were taking place. Verse 40. So they sit down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. Now, I don't really know the significance there. There was probably some significance. Maybe it was just simply to help them uh, be able to count to see how many were there. I really don't know why they were separated in that way. Uh, but regardless, uh, another detail that is shared with us here, they were split up. And so you've got all these thousands of people. Now this would have taken a lot of space. Even if there were just the 5,000 and a handful of women and children. Well, that's still a lot of people. If there were tens of thousands, which there could have been, these people would have been spread out everywhere. This is a large group of people who have gathered to see Jesus. And Jesus, desiring to take care of them, desiring for his, his own disciples to serve them, is working up this miracle that is going to take place. Verse 41, Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the fish 
among them all. So here, Jesus is the one who is providing. But he is providing through his disciples. He had asked his disciples earlier. He said, you give them something to eat. Well, how were his disciples going to give them something to eat? They were going to give them something to eat because Jesus was going to provide. He didn't give it to the people directly. He gave it to the apostles. He gave it to the twelve. And the twelve began to take the food and they began to hand it out to the people. Now, this would have probably taken a long time. I can't even imagine how long it would take to feed that many thousands of people. So here we see these disciples who are, who are a servant of Christ. If you remember when we started this study in Mark, the name of this series is called Called to Serve. And we see that Jesus has begun to serve. Uh, we saw a, a few verses, a few chapters back that Jesus had begun to send the disciples out to serve. And he is continually using them and will from this point forward to serve alongside of him to do the Lord's work. And here he's using them uh, in, a, in a real literal sense of what we think of servers today. We probably think of maybe servers at a restaurant. And that's exactly the role that they were playing. They were taking the food that Jesus was breaking and he was giving it to them. And can you imagine how awesome that must have been? As they probably had to make trip after trip, they would go reload and Jesus just keeps on handing them fish. He keeps on handing them bread. And they go along their way and they hand out and their basket's empty and they probably go back for more to get more and Jesus is still breaking off the loaf and still breaking off the fish. Now I don't know how they fed the people. I don't know if they had to make multiple trips but if they did can you imagine the excitement and the awe of they just coming back and Jesus just keep providing there wasn't much in the pot there were five loaves there was two fish and Jesus was continuing to provide for his people and here we see the disciples serving all of these on the hill and this is a miraculous event that has taken place here verse 42 everyone ate and was filled then they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Isn't that amazing? There were five loaves of bread and there were two fish. And Jesus has just provided with what little was there to every single person that was in the crowd. Not only did Jesus provide for all who were there, he provided over and above everything that was needed. He provided in abundance. Now, I don't know why there were 12 baskets left, but I'll tell you why I think there were 12 baskets left. I think there were 12 baskets left because there were 12 disciples left, and they had to eat too. And while it seems like they may have doubted in their conversation with Jesus how this food was going to be prepared, not only did Jesus show them that, look, I'm going to use you to serve these people as I've called you to, but I'm going to provide, and not only will I provide for them, but I will also provide for you over and above more than you could ever need. And that's why I think that there were 12 baskets of food left. There were one for each of the apostles. Now, I want to tell you that God is still good and Jesus is still the provider today. Just as Jesus provided for all of these people in this story, so Jesus still provides for his people today. 
Many of you know that. Many of you have experienced that in your life. There have been times where it was hard and you didn't know how things were going to work out. You didn't know how things were going to end up. You didn't know how you were going to make ends meet. And lo and behold, the Lord provided. The Lord always came through at just the right times. There are times in our life that God provides for us and over in abundance of anything we could have ever hoped for, anything we could have ever prayed for, our needs are met and we are still continually blessed by the Lord who continues to pour out blessings on us. There are other times where God meets our needs and He just meets our needs. We don't have an abundance over and above, but He meets the needs that we have so that we are able to continue to live our life as He provides for us as the Scripture promises us He will. This is nothing new for the Lord to do these types of miracles. The fact that the Lord provided with very little here in this story is nothing new if you've read the Old Testament. If you read in 1 Kings chapter 17, you see a wonderful story of Elijah where he comes across this widow and he asks her for some bread and she says, well, I can't make any bread. All I've got is this one little tiny jar of flour. Well, guess what? God continued to bless that flour and they continued to get flour out of that jar day after day after day. Even though there wasn't much there, the Lord continued to provide from what was there. Later on in 2 Kings chapter 4, we see Elisha, well, a similar story where he comes across this widow and, and all she has is one jar of oil. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to gather up all the jars around and I want you to take your one jar and I want you to keep filling up these other jars and you keep filling them up. And this widow kept filling up these jars with this one little bit she had. She kept filling it up. She kept filling it up. Her sons were bringing her these jars and finally she said, bring me another jar. And they said, there are no more jars left. There's nowhere else to contain all that the Lord has blessed us with. That's what the moral of the story is, that God provided. And we see that God provided in those two stories. We see that God has provided here with Jesus uh, through His disciples to these people. And I want to tell you what, God is still providing for us today. God is still providing for us. There are things that, that, that we may see in our life and we may feel like that the Lord's calling us to, somebody that we encounter, and we may feel like, boy, God, I want to help those people, but how can I help them? I don't have enough to give. Sometimes I've felt that way. You may see somebody on the street and you may say, boy, I want to help them, but this bill's due or that bill's due or I don't have the money. Well, should it be the Lord's will for us to help them? Then let us do what God's will is. Let us be obedient to Him and let's let the Lord provide. Because the psalm says that God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. That is, everything is the Lord's. Everything that we have is the Lord's. Everything that there is in this world is the Lord. And everything that God has blessed us with is God's provision for us. And what a beautiful story and a beautiful reminder of what God can do in this story of Jesus and what He did for His people. Let us be faithful to hear what God's Word says in our lives, that when we are going out into the world, the people that we encounter, that if we have opportunities that we don't trust in our own, in our own uh, abilities, in our own uh, things that we have, but we trust in the Lord to provide, to meet the needs, and to accomplish His will. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that we would live these words out, dear Lord, in our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just... Uh, uh, help us to know what we should do and what we shouldn't do in those situations where it's tough to know, dear Lord. And uh, God, I pray that you just help us to uh, know that you are our provider. God, that anything we have, it's because you have allowed us to have it. You have blessed us with it, dear Lord. And we thank you for being uh, good to us. 
And we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for this powerful story about how Jesus uh, provided for his people. We thank you for uh, these disciples who were there to serve these people, dear Lord. And I pray that just as they were probably in awe and amazement of all that you have done, dear Lord, that we would be in awe of amazement too. Dear Lord, you provided some loaves and some fish for some people in this story. But God, more importantly, you provided Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that our provisions go much further than just eating some, some bread and some fish, dear Lord, but you provide for our souls. You provide forgiveness of our sins. And God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has never trusted in Jesus, God, I pray that today they see his provision. They see this miracle, God, and they realize that he is real, that he is true, that he is the Savior of the world, dear Lord God. And I pray, God, that, that we, would, we would trust you in our lives. I pray that if there's one that doesn't know you, that they would trust you, dear Lord, and trust Jesus Christ and be provided for by his death on the cross. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.